We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Kroger. Uh, what's up, dude? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> how, you, how you doing, man? I'm good. I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously we just watched the 49ers lose. But I thought it didn't go the way I thought it would go. It, it, the result is what I thought. I was really surprised to see. You know, by the time the game started, the 49ers were one-and-a-half-point favorites. Crazy. Um, I couldn't understand why. That was weird. But Yeah, I, I never really understood that either. Like, was there, yeah, I don't know. Was there ever, like, an explanation for it? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I think – I don't know. 
I mean, obviously, uh, uh, KP from Niners Nation was talking about this. Like, obviously, somebody had to have come in and bet a ton of money on San Francisco. But I would never understand. Even I mean, it's a neutral field. The San Francisco 49ers had to pick up and leave it during the middle of the week to go to Arizona, and they're they're not playing at home. They're playing on a neutral field. They're playing against a better team in Buffalo. That's you know now nine and three. So I don't understand in that process. Where the 49ers who are playing, starting a backup quarterback and have a slew of injuries, well, I don't understand when they become favored in that equation. Yeah, I, I was confused by it the whole time. I, you know, I was t- tweeting out this morning that I just don't have any expectations. I mean, you have Nick Mullins back there, and I don't trust him further than I can throw him. But and that's I, not very much. Yeah, I can't throw him very far. But <laughs> I will say. I, I thought for for who he is, I thought he played well, and I did not think that he was the reason. Now, obviously, like, you know, the late interception <laughs> didn't help, and the Ayuk dropped ball that turned into an interception didn't help. But ultimately, I thought he he played well. The The tough thing for the 49ers this game was the offense was never – never able to get in any sort of a real rhythm um, with what they wanted to do because the defense never got off the field. And that's where I'm really, you know, from a, you know, disappoint, disappointed standpoint, uh, I wasn't expecting that. I just thought it would be choppy on offense because Nick Mullen is that quarterback and the 49ers really just wouldn't be able to get things going. But that wasn't really the case. It, it it was choppy on offense because they couldn't get in the rhythm because Buffalo had the ball for the entire first half. And by the time the 49ers really were able to kind of start getting the ball, they were down 17. You know, and now, like, there are a lot of people that were tweeting, where's Raheem Mostert? Why is he not getting the ball? Well, for the whole damn first half, Buffalo had the ball. By the time you really get a chance to, you know, Maybe try to get in the flow of running most of them. Um, <laughs> the the four hours down seventeen. Now you can't just run how you want to. So defense, man, like very disappointed in the defense because again, didn't expect much from Mullins, but I did expect the defense to show up and make things difficult. And I just couldn't understand it. Then when you know they were playing this soft zone all game, just letting them eat it up, eat it up, eat it up. I'm like, man, you gotta play, man. You gotta play, man. Then they go, man, and it's just like Diggs just starts eating up Jason Verrett, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like they just have no answer. <laughs> yeah, let's then let's let's do that thing because we were we were gonna. I mean, obviously we're gonna, gonna split this podcast into like offense and defense. So let's just start since you've already kind of kicked it off. Let's just start out by talking about the defense, which basically for the most part, let the Bills do whatever they wanted to do. The The defense was okay on the ground. They held the Bulls, or the Bills, the Bulls. They held, they held the Bills to three yards of carry, which is good, which is good, you know. But, you know, they still were able to come. The Bills had the ball so much, they still, ran, you know, had a total of 37 uh, carries or rushes. So, uh, you know, holding him with three yards of carry is good, but the reason that looks like that is because the they did whatever they wanted through the air. Josh Allen ended up completing 32 of 40 passes. So he only he, – there were only eight completions from the Bills all game. 
And he also threw for four touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, getting up close to a perfect quarterback rating, 139.5, and 375 yards. Like, he he did whatever he wanted to do. And whenever the 49ers got a little bit of pressure on him, he just used his mobility to kind of skate away. And he didn't really – one of the things we talked about leading up to this, Croc, was kind of like how they could do design runs for Josh Allen and, and how much they could take advantage of that if they wanted to. And there really wasn't a whole lot of that at all. Josh Allen did almost nothing on the ground. Right. But what he did do was kind of just scoot around by himself time and find what seemed like Cole Beasley or Stefan Diggs were, who were both just open forever. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they just turned their passing game into a running game. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, just run five yards, turn around, and catch the ball. So kind of like, you know, extended run plays. You know, that's what we like to call those. They weren't pushing the ball downfield. I thought that's what we were going to see from them, you know, taking shots down the field uh, to stretch the defense. But nah, it was none of that. It was just 10 yards, stop, throw a completion, throw, throw an out route for a completion, uh, just – continuously over and over and over. I mean, that was one of the most painful deaths I've seen, you know, being a 49er fan, like in the sense of just how it was happening. And it's like, man, like we have no answer, which brings me to my next thing is Robert Sala trying to hide Richard Sherman. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, you're going to know the answer to that better than I can. But when, well, it, when he, when he was the focus on any given play for the Bills, he didn't didn't look great. Yeah, well, not just that. I mean, they didn't want to run man at all. He didn't want to play press at all. Um, he It almost was like he wanted Sherman to play in a zone and be off. And then when they finally did go to man in the second half when Brett got put in the blender, Richard Sherman was like playing like a middle linebacker position. I mean, like kind of like a down safety and Witherspoon was actually in. So they were like, you know what? We don't really want to put Sherman in man. <laughs> we're going to put him somewhere else and, and kind of maybe let him play with his eyes. And that was kind of telling a little bit. Yeah, it was. they were doing a lot of weird stuff. And, and there was, I mean, there was that one play where Richard Sherman was flagged for uh, illegal contact where uh, I think Stefan Diggs hit him with a little bit of a double move and, and Richard Sherman knew he was going right by him. So he just he just got in his way and grabbed him a little bit um, to draw the flag, which is really, for the most part, it's more of a veteran smart move than it is to let yourself get burned for a huge touchdown. So right. there were there were a few plays where it just looked like I don't know maybe Richard Sherman isn't one hundred percent, maybe his his skills you know and and the compounding injuries have have just you no know, I think together. he's one hundred percent. But his 100% just isn't 100%. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Like, he's just not – his 100% may not be good enough anymore. Right. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a sad day for some – for a future Hall of Fame corner, but it is what it is, you know. And, and even Richard Sherman made some comments this week that kind of seemed like he knew the writing was on the wall um, in terms of the 49ers, him and the 49ers not, not – sticking around because he becomes a free agent this offseason. So it seems like, and, and like I said, Richard Sherman made some comments, I believe it was to Matt Mayoko of uh, NBC Sports, about the fact that 
it just doesn't look likely that he's going to be with the 49ers next season. And that pro that has a common, that's a combination of many things, you know, to include salary cap, but it also could kind of be him. I wouldn't say telling on himself in a way, but he's, he might just know that that's, that's what it's coming to. And he, he obviously probably uh, knows he's a very smart guy and he's very small self-aware. So if Richard Sherman's skills were declining at, at a rapid rate like that, because he was great last year. I mean, obviously he had his moments, but he was pretty good last year. And but if 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 it's just not really in there anymore, he seems like a guy that would kind of be willing to accept that, maybe faster than some people would, just because, like I said, he is so smart and self aware. So I don't know. Um, but even opposite Richard Sherman, Jason Verrett was struggling. Now, now look, uh, I'll ease up a little bit on Verrett because it's Stefan Diggs, one of the best route runners uh, that's out there. But he was having his way with Jason Verrett. And and that was in the second half when they started playing started to play a lot more man. There at one point the 49ers, Deion Jordan, uh sacked Joss Allen. A terrific sack from the blind side, just smashed him right in the back. Uh Josh Allen actually fumbled the ball, but the, the 49ers didn't recover it. Well, so there was like second and nineteen, and they just threw two ten yard completions, both to Stefan Diggs, both on Jason Verrett, and it was like boom, boom, okay, we're good. It yeah. just the 49ers just could not contain the Bills through the air. Combined, Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs combined for 22 targets, 19 catches. So they only had two incompletions between the two of them. A hundred, excuse me, 222 yards, about 13 yards per reception, and a touchdown. Not ideal. No, it's tough to win a football game when there's stats on like that on, on the other side of the field. So as far as the defense goes, it just there just it just seemed like one of the things I tweeted when they went into halftime, like just given how that first half played out, I just didn't see the 49ers being able to make any adjustments that were gonna work for what the Bills were doing. Like I just I didn't see I, I I didn't see how the 49ers were going to be able to cover the Bills receivers with the quarterbacks they had available. Uh, I didn't see that they were they weren't going to be able to generate any pressure. They only ended up with three quarterback hits and one of them was a sack. So it, there just wasn't a whole lot going on there that I felt like would have been there wasn't a whole lot even I mean I mean what could you would know this better than I would crock but maybe both of both of us don't know this but what could Robert Sala have done better to to keep all of that from happening. So, I mean, the only thing you can do better is play more man. But I, I just don't think that the 49ers are built that way. And that's why he's kind of gone in that direction with how he's built the team. I'm, I'm, I, I value man skills for m- more than anything. And I always feel like you can teach zone. But it seems like the 49ers kind of went with guys that fit more of a zone scheme with their like frames. And now when you get put into man situations, you just don't have those guys. So that, that was a situation where definitely 49ers need to be able to play man, need to be able to play tight coverage and force tight window throws. And they just didn't, didn't they at all. Right. One thing I want to uh, make sure I bring up right now, because Kyle Shanahan is talking to the media right now. Normally we would wait to pod until he's done, but uh, I, it's it's a little late on the late side for Croc, who's on the East Coast, so I, and I didn't want to keep him up. Um, 
And because I know he likes to get up early and work out and all that weird <laughs> shit. So, um, uh, Kyle Shanahan did just say that um, it's not anytime soon uh, as far as Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle. So, uh, the 49ers, after losing to the Bills, they're still kind of in it when it comes to the playoffs, but they have basically, they, they almost have to win out, um, including two division games against the Cardinals and the Seahawks. So, uh, the return of Dreamy, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle would mean a lot for this team, but it it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. Kyle did say that they're working their tails off, but it just doesn't. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Also, as far as injuries from the game, the 49ers think DJ Jones might have a high ankle sprain, uh, which sucks because that would probably knock him out for the rest of the year. Uh, it they usually take four to six weeks. It could be even more. And then. Uh, Guard starting, rotating starting guard Tom Compton left the game with a head injury, which is unfortunate because he just had a concussion that was suffered during a walkthrough practice. Now they say walkthroughs, they were probably going pretty hard, but um, so hopefully that's okay because whenever you see like repeat head injuries, that's you know that can get a little scary. Um, so yeah, just a couple of updates that I wanted to give you guys while Kyle Shanahan's talking. So I mean, I don't know, man. Like you're saying, it's just. It, it, sure, the 49ers could have played more man, but like like you also said, it, would it have made a difference? Would it have made things better? That might obviously be the response. But when you can't even – I mean, you're struggling to, to, to cover their receivers. You're struggling to contain their quarterback. You're struggling to pressure their quarterback. It's just a, a bad recipe. You know, it's just – there's just not a whole lot you can do adjustment-wise that – you know, if you're not executing and you're not getting after the guy or causing anything to not work, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's just tough. There wasn't much the 49ers could do there. And it showed. They just got ran over. They just got ran over. So, all right. All right. So, let's let's get a quick word in from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we will kind of talk about the offensive side of the ball and what we saw because there was interesting things. We'll say that. Interesting things. Sponsors. First, we've got some Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, but it's almost over. Business across the globe are challenging, and this might be their most efficient time to get moving. And that means every hire is critical. Indeed's here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. And always rounding it off is bet online. Football's back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. 
BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their seasoning opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire. It's all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Whoo! All right, on to the offense, Croc. On to the offense. Um, I mean, I guess if we're trying to do our thing and keep it positive, it was cool to see more Brandon Ayuk than Debo Samuel. But it was cool to see Brandon Ayuk get to get to do some more wide receiver things. He looked pretty good outside of the the drop that he tipped into the air that was intercepted by the Bills. That was, was pretty a good brutal. Throw. It was a good throw by Mullins. There was a lot of people like, oh, he needs to hit him in stride. And I'm like, nah, man, like when you have a guy running deep over the middle like that, you want to get your safe, your receiver down. Like that's protecting your receiver. Uh, your receiver, Ayuk, just has to catch the ball and not flick it up in the air. So um, that was a good throw, but go ahead. You know, that's, that's why I love you, man, because – I got a couple of those comments, too, about, oh, man, that's on Mullins. That was a horrible throw. And I'm like, look, dude. And I even said this on Twitter. I was like, look, dude, he had a guy running right behind him. Um, Brandon Ayuk did. And he had a guy converging to the front of him. The only way that throw is is supposed to be thrown is if it's low and away like that. That way the receiver can come down and get it and not get his head knocked off if you threw it anywhere chest and above. So I don't, I, I, it's one of those things where I'm just so tired of people that for lack of a better way of saying this, don't know shit about football, <laughs> just throwing, throwing out random comments on fucking Twitter. Like it, it's like, it's just so goddamn stupid. And I'm sorry, those of you guys listening to this, you're probably not the person that said it. If you are shame on you, but it's a super common practice for a quarterback to throw a ball like that when they know there's a chance that their receiver could take a hit from the front. If they were to throw it normal, chest high, head high, that's called a hospital ball. And the receiver's likely to get knocked out or or seriously injured because the guy coming from the front is going to smack them. Let's just say it's a legal hit and they smack you straight in the chest. You're At the very least, you're on the ground with the wind knocked out and who knows how badly hurt. And so the only really way you can appropriately appropriately make that throw is just throw it a little low so the receiver can just kind of slide and go down and get it and, you know, the, the DBs don't even hit him. So just for – and look, Mullins made plenty of bad throws this evening, but that was not one of them. It was – and Brandon and I, you could tell you the same thing. It was on him. I'd say for, for who Mullins is and what my expectations for him are, I thought he played well. Because I, I, I think I don't, that's fair. You know, I, I, I do think that's fair. I think that's I, fair. I thought that there were going to be like a lot of weird things that he did. Um, he drove a ball downfield to Kendrick Bourne, but Jordan Jordan Reed kind of got in the way and like basically got a PBU on it. Um, but it was going to be a nice throw to Kendrick Bourne. Like there, there were things that I thought he did well in this game. The issue was for and I just didn't have the ball much and then just really couldn't get off the field. Um, I will say this, 
there was a play that uh, really kind of changed the dynamics of the game a little bit. With eight minutes left, eight, it was like eight and a half minutes left in the second quarter. The game was seven to seven. And Warner got the interception. And, you know, the play you talked about, they, they called the holding or on uh, Richard Sherman. There was eight minutes left in the second quarter when that happened. By the time the Buffalo Bills scored a touchdown, there was two minutes left. You know, like, you know, that 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 those that type of stuff was it, it made it difficult for the offense to be in any type of real rhythm. And that was kind of consistent, you know, especially throughout the first half. And then the second half, now well, we're gonna count on Nick Mullins to just be a drop back passer when that's not his like ideal skill set. So you know, it, it was tough, but I thought for who he is, um, I thought he played well. I thought uh, I saw him get out the pocket a couple times to try to make throws on the move. I was really excited to see that. Now, that's not his game, but I, I didn't have a high expectations of him heading into the game. But to see things like that where he's trying to make plays on the move, um, get out the pocket, you know, throw some passes – uh, those are things that's like, man, like, you know, I, I would like to see you do more of that. He did it He did it once last game, and I was really excited to see that. So um, to see him do those things, that was really good. Outside of that, I mean, I, I know who he is. You know, he's a he's a backup quarterback. But to give the 49ers the best ch- uh, chance to win, he's going to have to do things like that. And it was good to see that. Now, obviously, on the one on the goal line where he, you know, was trying to make a play and he just threw an errant pass that ended up getting intercepted by Tredavious White. Like, throw it at somebody else. Yeah, but what did he do right before that, Croc? He did throw what should have been a touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. Okay, wait. No, no, excuse me. No. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. You had should have been a touchdown to Kendrick Bourne, but it was thrown a little too far behind. And instead of being able to capture the ball and keep running forward and then just an easy, like, put the ball over the goal line. Um, it was thrown behind him and Kendrick Bourne had to turn around. So that was, I mean, I don't want to nickpick a backup quarterback that bad. Okay. Didn't get in. And then the 49ers had the ball on like the six inch line and Nick Mullins <laughs> couldn't hold his water and like was back there freaking out. And the quarterback, the quarter, the center had not snapped the ball yet. And Nick Mullins just tries to start running forward. And then the center snaps the ball and it's a false start. So you're on the six-inch line. You get a false start oh, on a quarterback. Real quick. I am glad that they called. Well, I guess ultimately it didn't matter. But if if they would have let that play go on, he fumbled. <laughs> and Buffalo recovered it. Oh, like, really? I didn't even see that. Yeah, no, he, fumbled, he fumbled. That. He lost the ball. Like um, Mostert went to push him into the end zone. And he just like. It was like he never really had a firm grip on the ball, and yeah, it was ugly. And he, the ball just bounced all around, and and Buffalo recovered it, but they blew the play dead, so it didn't end up counting. Right, and it, and that yeah, that was that was all bad. Nick Mullins basically tried to run through the center before the center had even snapped the ball, and so that was all screwed up. And then on the very next play, uh, I wouldn't. I mean, Jeff Wilson was was open ish. If the ball was thrown out in front of him, it it could have been a touchdown. Um, but Nick, Nick Mullins threw it just a little bit behind him and, and it was picked off. So it was, it was a really, really rough series for, for Nick Mullins. You know, if he throws it kind of just a little out in front of Kendrick Bourne touchdown, if he just holds on and and doesn't run into the center, maybe he's got a touchdown on that QB sneak probably. And then it, obviously he misses, um, 
misses Wilson Jr. on the very next play, and that and that's an interception. So it was a pretty rough stretch for Nick Mullins. That being said, if you were to look at his box score, it was actually an okay night for him. Sixty-six completed sixty-six percent of his passes for three hundred and sixteen yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Now again. Two of those touchdowns came um, like at the very end of the four, third quarter and the fourth quarter. Uh, it, it was now the one at the end of the third quarter that pulled them within ten with an entire quarter to play. So I'm not going to say that that one is you know is garbage time. And that was that was five plays and 75 yards. So that that kind of pulled the you know you have a you're down by ten with a quarter to play. That game is still very much in play. Um, and then. Obviously, the 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 Bills came and just marched right back down the field and scored on a broken uh, coverage to Gabriel Davis for a 28-yard touchdown, and that kind of put the game away. You know, and then Nick Mullins' last drive, no one's even really watching the game. They go down and score with a really impressive throw to and catch to Jordan Reed over in the corner of the end zone. But by that time, it, they scored with like 30 seconds left, so it was the game was away. But again, and I do think what Brooke Crocker is saying is, and it is important to remember that Nick Mullins is a backup quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, the starting quarterback that's making about twenty-three million more than Nick Mullins, or twenty-four million more, whatever it is, is hurt, and Nick Mullins is out there trying to do what he can do. Now, if you want to be upset at that, I mean, I get it. You're a fan; do what you want to do. But you just got to understand that it's a backup just trying to do his best. And and for most backups in the NFL, really for all of them, unless you get lucky with those those ones that emerge as a genuine starting quarterback, their their best isn't good enough. And that's why they're backups. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to insult Nick Mullins. I'm not trying to insult backup quarterbacks in the NFL. That's just, that's just the way it is. That's why they're not the starter or somebody else's starter. It's just, it's not how it works. So Nick Mullins right. out there just trying to be enough. But again, there was no way that Nick Mullins would have been able to keep pace with what the Bills were doing to the defense. And I, th- I think that kind of comes down to our, our our point, Croc, is like, even if Nick Mullins would have played a little bit better, which again, you're talking about a backup quarterback playing pretty good against a respectable Bills defense. Even if Nick Mullins plays a little bit better, the defense just couldn't couldn't hang. And I feel like if the Bills needed to step it up a notch, like if, if the 49ers put a little offense, put a little bit more pressure on the Bills, then I feel like the Bills would have just stepped it up another notch and done what they wanted to do even more, if that makes sense. Yep, nope, I agree. I mean, who you know, I guess it's hard to tell like if if the 49ers would have been able to challenge the receivers more. I just think that part it was just way too easy. Yeah, it that, was. that 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 just kind of ruined the, <laughs> the whole game. <laughs> Which um, I saw somebody tweet, and they were like, uh, "You know, this shows like you know, there's a glaring weakness at cornerback." Which you know, we 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 know we can play with those guys, but I think the glaring part to me was the fact that like, damn, we can't play man at all. And I, I you know, I that's something that I didn't really take into consideration. <laughs> But it was clear, like, we need to run man. And Robert Sala was like, I'm not running man. <laughs> and then he ran man, and I'm like, damn, now I see why he wasn't trying to run it. But, you know, the context with everything, like you uh, brought up, you are playing against a really good Stefan Diggs. And when 49ers ran man, it was versus him. Oh, 
we didn't, you know what? I'll save him for tomorrow. But there was a clear loser in this game. And you want to you, you want to save him for tomorrow? Yeah, I'll save him for tomorrow. Okay. Ooh, leaving everybody on a cliffhanger. Well, we're going to end it right there then. That's <laughs> it. I feel like you guys have gotten our rapid reactions to this game. Remember, it's not necessarily supposed to be the most in-depth breakdown you've ever heard. We literally step away from the TV, walk in here, record our pod, give you our reactions. 49ers losing 34-24 to to the Bills. They now fall to 5-7. and seven. Um, And I believe they're still – are they still one game back in the division? Cardinals are at six, right? Yeah. Well, the Cardinals, yeah, they have one six. One game back from third place. Excuse, better way of saying that. <laughs> yeah. So, they, you know, and, that, and that's an important – getting ahead of the Cardinals is, is one of the big factors in in, in earning uh, one of those, those wild card spots. So, uh, Croc and I will be back on here tomorrow. You guys, uh, for you guys, we'll be breaking down the game in more detail, winners, losers, uh, any more news that comes out from, from Kyle Shanahan or the team. We'll be back on here doing that. Um, but as always, appreciate you guys. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, take it in stride. 49ers still got a chance if you're positive. There's still a chance. It could still happen. Um, but just, hey, it is what it is. 49ers lost to the better team tonight. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening. Appreciate the support as always. Uh, but for another episode, this is Striking Gold. Signing out. Peace out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.